Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is the MCAT Podcast, session number 32. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome back to, or welcome to, if this is your first time joining us, the MCAT podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I host several podcasts on the MedEd Media Network, which you can find at mededmedia.com. Our biggest and most popular show is called The Pre-Med Years, where I cover everything that you need to know on your pre-med path. This week's episode on The Pre-Med Years is an amazing story from a student who was a teen mom, and actually she's a physician now. She was a teen mom, and her path to medical school and through medical school as a teen mom. You can go check out that episode at medicalschoolhq.net slash 224. This week, we're going to jump into more questions on the MCAT, and we're going to bring back Brian to talk about them. All right, Brian, last week you said biochem was your favorite. Now we're going to step down to just plain old chemistry. How How does chemistry rate on your list of favorites? Oh, Gen Chem, General Chemistry, absolutely my favorite part of the MCAT. It's, it's, it lays down so many important foundational concepts that just apply to so much in science that uh, this week, General Chemistry is my favorite. Okay, so it just depends on the week. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. that, that makes sense. Yep. So we're going to look at a, a general chemistry passage as always. I very strongly encourage you to head over to the website and print out the show notes handout. Um, for now, I'm not going to read the whole thing out because it's a, a little bit of a longer passage. I'll just read the first paragraph so everybody has a sense of what the passage is talking about. And then we'll dive right into the questions. So the passage starts out, a hypersaline body of water contains high concentrations of sodium chloride salt and other water-soluble ionic compounds, such as calcium sulfate, gypsum. The salt levels exceed those found in ocean water, 3.5% by mass, and are often associated with flora and fauna that are specifically adapted to extreme conditions. There's considerable recent interest in species that are able to survive under such conditions because they may represent conditions for life that might be present on other worlds. And then it goes on to a whole discussion about hypersaline water, so water with lots and lots of ions in it. The very first question then asks, what is the approximate molarity of sodium chloride in ocean water if the density of ocean water is 1.028 kilograms per liter? 
And our answer choices are 0.02 molar, 0.6 molar, 0.9 molar, 9.6 molar. And Ryan, we've talked about this before. When there's numbers for answer choices, you should always take a quick look at how spread out they are so you know if you can kind of round stuff off Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch or if you have to be super precise with your calculations. So this at first glance, this question seems like it's going to require a whole ton of, you know, probably on the order of six to eight different calculation steps. Uh, It says the density is 1.028 kilograms per liter. Um, You have to convert that to molarity. You have to go back to the passage. Remember, we were reading about ocean water. Uh, The passage told us ocean water was 3.5 percent salt by mass. Um, so it seems like there's at least two layers of conversion that have to happen there, plus another couple of calculations. Um, but we can take a couple of shortcuts to make this a, a bunch easier. So one thing that we want to think about is um, just the fact that in one liter, like let's just say we have a liter of ocean water in front of us, um, just kind of arbitrarily, right? We imagine a one liter container. Then we know that the question said it's 1.028 kilograms. So that means that liter of ocean water is 1,028 grams. The passage told us it was 3.5% by mass uh, of salt. So let's just take that 1,028 and multiply it by 0.035. Uh, and and just rounding that off, I mean, the 1,028, let's just round that to 1,000. So 1,000 times 3.5%, it's going to be about 35 grams of uh, sodium chloride. So, okay, now we've got 35 grams of sodium chloride, and we do have to know the molecular weight of uh, sodium chloride. So there's just one other step here. Uh, and and I'll do you, do the work for you, but on the real test, you would have a periodic table. You could pull that up, check the mass of sodium, the mass of chloride. Uh, but sodium chloride is um, uh, 58 grams per mole. So then you just say, well, I have 35 grams of salt and 35 divided by 58. And you go, okay, well, I don't, if I don't want to do all that out, uh, 35 divided by 70 – 35 over 70 would be exactly a half. So now I have 35 over about 60. So this is a little more than half. It's a fraction a little more than half, right? If the denominator gets smaller, the number gets a little bit bigger. So again, the answer choices were 0.02, 0.6, 0.9, 9.6. And you arrive at a number that's a little more than half for the number of moles of salt in our hypothetical one liter. So a little more than a half, well, that's 0.6. So you'd get answer choice B there, 0.62 molar. So again, really only two steps in the calculation, taking that 1028 kilograms per liter and saying that 1,028 grams, 3.5% of that's about 35 grams, converting the grams to moles, a little more than half a mole, And if you have half a mole in a hypothetical one liter, then that's 0.6 molar. That is a lot easier than what most students, I'm assuming, are doing and having 20 different steps on their scratch paper. Yeah, absolutely. There's this effort to try and convert a density into something else and then convert that something else into moles and then, you know, like kind of 
rearranging the steps. And, and most students that I've done this problem with end up thinking of this as about a four to five step calculation instead of a two step calculation that can be solved by just saying, well, let's assume I have one liter of salt water in front of me. Now what? Uh, and the MCAT surprisingly will let you do that a fair bit. That if a question is kind of asked in the hypothetical or the abstract, you just say, okay, well, let me imagine I have one liter of this stuff, or let me imagine I have one gram of this stuff, and then work from there. <laughs> Most, I wonder what students are out there going, oh, man, how many liters of ocean water are there on the planet? And then I need, oh, man, how can I answer that? Right, yeah, okay, radius of the Earth, <laughs> but, you know, surface area of a sphere is yeah. <laughs> four-thirds pi r cubed. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, much simpler than that. All right. So okay. I, I, I like the, the adding in your own hypothetical in there when it allows you to. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually a strategy that I first learned teaching it to SAT students where you would say, well, just guess that X is 10 and, and work from there. Uh, and it's surprisingly applicable to the MCAT. Almost every time there's an MCAT, there's at least one question where you can go, well, let me just guess that I have this much and work from there. Uh, okay, let's take a look at question number three. Based on figure one, adding salt to water causes the boiling point of water to, and then we have to decide between increase or decrease, uh, and, and what that means in terms of the vapor pressure of the liquid. Now, the question did say according to figure one, and if we go over to figure one, we, we can see a little um, uh, pressure temperature curve, you know, essentially a phase diagram, solid liquid vapor and so on. Um, but we really don't need any of that. The, the MCAT is going to expect you to walk into the test knowing about colligative properties. That's what this call is called when, when the boiling point or freezing point changes. You just have to walk in knowing this. So if, you're, if your background science is real good here, then you can just answer this straight away without having to, to do any kind of extensive analysis of the figure. So adding salt to water does what to the boiling point? Ryan, do you remember what that does? Oh, man. When So I just know from cooking class, when you cooking, add salt, yeah. it, it raises the boiling point. It, absolutely, right. And that's one of the, the things that, that I always tell students to help remember it, right? If you want to cook stuff quickly, you want your water to be really hot. So throw a bunch of salt in there, and then your water can get hotter. Yep. Um, it, it, that's not actually true in the real world because the amount of salt it would take to appreciably raise the boiling point it would be so disgusting you couldn't eat it. It would be way too salty. <laughs> I like salty. salt. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Pour that blood pressure in there, right? Um, but but it, even if it's not actually practically true, it's a good you know kind of little mnemonic to remember. Throw the salt in the water to raise the raise the boiling point, and that narrows us down to choices A and B. As soon as we know that it's an increase in the boiling point, then we have to decide between choice A, which says increase requiring a greater average kinetic energy of the liquid to produce a vapor pressure equal to the external pressure or choice B, which says increase requiring a greater average kinetic energy of the liquid to produce a vapor pressure greater than the yeah. external pressure. And at this point that just becomes a definition question. Do you know what boiling point means when it comes to vapor pressures? So again, you got to walk into the test knowing this that by definition the boiling point is the point where the vapor pressure coming up off the liquid is equal to the atmospheric pressure pushing down on the liquid. So if those two are in equilibrium with each other, vapor coming up off the liquid, atmosphere pushing down onto the liquid, um then you are at an equilibrium that's uh, a boiling point. So answer choice A there uh, would be the right answer. Okay. I, I probably would have got that one wrong because I'm thinking here, well, the, 
the bubbles are kind of exploding. So it must be greater than the vapor pressure, the external pressure. Yeah, it would it would seem like it, but it's just one of those classic. Uh, you know, I always emphasize the idea of equilibrium in chemistry is a dynamic equilibrium. So the vapor pressure coming up and the atmospheric pressure pushing down are actually equal to each other, but that doesn't mean the system is static, right? It's constantly dynamic with the bubbles churning around and the little water molecules popping off into the air and so on. Okay, I like it. Yep, uh, and then let's wrap up with a real short one here. What is the chemical formula of gypsum? Okay, no, no reason you should know that walking into the test. So obviously we got to go back to the passage and look up what they said about gypsum. Uh, and that was in the first couple sentences here. So I'll just reread the first sentence of the passage. A hypersaline body of water contains high concentrations of sodium chloride salt and other water-soluble ionic compounds such as calcium sulfate gypsum. So you are expected to know the names of ions and such. So sulfate you should recognize as SO4, and you are expected to walk into the test knowing the charge on your common cations and anions. So sulfate SO4, very common cation, you know, sulfuric acid and so on, has a charge of minus 2. And calcium, as an alkaline earth metal, would in its um, standard you know state found in nature have a charge of plus two so a calcium with a plus two a sulfate with a minus two would give us an overall gypsum formula of calcium so4 and so that's answer choice b do you have any tricks for remembering the the eights and the eights and threes and fours and all those other <laughs> um you do have to remember the general trend right which is that the um, okay, so we know the, the prefix hypo means less of something. So hypo blah, 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 it with an I is the least amount of oxygens. So, um, uh, you know, so, so like a, a hyposulfite would just be SO, just a single O. Then if you take away the hypo, you get up to the, just the it level. So one more oxygen if you have an it. Then eight is another oxygen past that. So that gets you up to the SO4 level. And then we also want to remember the prefix uh, per, like in hydrogen peroxide. The per means add an extra oxygen. So if you have a per eight, um, so some sort of, uh, you, you know, calcium perchlorate or something then that would have another oxygen on it. So the, the gradations, hypoite, ite, eight, per eight, is the order that they go in. Unfortunately, that doesn't actually tell you the number of oxygens, because it depends whether it's sulfur or chlorine or nitrogen or whatever, um, which is a whole lot of me talking, uh, Ryan, to just give you the answer. No, no, I don't. Have a, <laughs> no, I don't have a real simple answer to that. All right. Well, we'll have to figure one out for for the student listening to make the MCAT that much easier. I'm, I'm sure there's some brain out there that has figured this out. So if you're listening to this and you have something that will help, let me know. Ryan at MedicalSchoolHQ.net. All right. There you have it. I hope that Brian did a fantastic job breaking down that passage. If you've been looking for the handouts that go with these episodes, I had some issues uploading them before, but if you go to the mcatpodcast.com slash three, two, 
for this episode, there will be a link in that blog post, the show notes there, that says download the handout here or whatever that link says. Um, Just uh, click that link, put in your email address, and the show notes will be emailed to you right away. So if you've been looking for those, I apologize. All of the old handouts have been uh, fixed and are on all of the episode pages now. So if you are looking for session 30, for example, go to the mcatpodcast.com slash 30 and they'll be there. Don't forget as you progress on your MCAT path, if you're looking for some help, Next Step Test Prep is there for you. I've been dealing with Next Step Test Prep now for several years. So many students that I work with, that I talk to, have used them, have loved them. Uh, I got a phone call the other day from a student that her score increased 15 points after working with Next Step. That could be you. If you're struggling, don't do it alone. There are people out there to help you. NextStepTestPrep.com. Go get some information. Use the code MCATPOD. That's all capital letters. M-C-A-T-P-O-D to save some money on their one-on-one prep, on their new MCAT course, on their on their uh, full-length MCAT tests, anything that they have to offer. Again, MCATPOD is the coupon code to use there. And that code is only given here on the podcast. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget, join us next week here at the MCAT Podcast and go check out all the other podcasts that we're doing. Subscribe to the podcast so that you don't have to go to the website to listen. Just subscribe on your phone. It's very easy. It's free. You get all the shows every week. So next week, you'll get it. Have a great week and don't forget, again, to check out all the other shows that we do at mededmedia.com.